Everybody awake, warm, settled in. Um, we're going to try to keep it exciting and have some participation today. So if you're not feeling quite awake, hopefully we will wake you up. Because um, I'm going to need a little bit of help from the great minds and imaginations in this room. So um, hopefully people are going to be willing to participate. I'm curious, tell me, um, if you could win a year's supply of anything, what would it be? Or even better yet, a lifetime supply of anything, what would you want to win? Tuna fish. Tuna fish. Anybody else for tuna fish? What else? What would you love? Chapstick. Lifetime supply of chapstick. Chocolate. What else? Wawa cookies? Hot hoagie. Wawa hoagies. French vanilla creamer. Anything else? Skittles. Lots of good ideas. So you can keep talking about this on your way home today. Um, so if I had to be practical, I think I might, actually this morning, I would pick a lifetime supply of socks for my children because two of my four children are here in flip-flops today because there were not clean socks that fit their specifications. So um, maybe we would do a lifetime supply of children's socks in our house. Um, but some people responded to a Reddit post about um, if they had ever won a lifetime supply of anything. And somebody wanted to know, how did that turn out for you? So I thought these responses were pretty entertaining. Here's some things that people won. Um, someone said, when I was little, I won a lifetime supply of apples by correctly guessing how many were in a barrel. There were 110, and I guessed 109. The prize was 110 apples at a time each month. It was insane. After the first delivery, my parents begged them to stop. It's impossible for a family of three to go through 110 apples before they rot. And neighbors stopped answering the door when they saw our parents standing outside with a bag of apples. Um, Another boy said it, when he was nine years old, he once won a year's supply of Tropicana juice. It was awesome, but you could only get four cartons a month with dated vouchers, so it never really felt as magical. Nine-year-old me wanted a dedicated Tropicana faucet in my kitchen. Um, someone else said, my mom and dad bought a water softener 22 years ago. It came with a lifetime supply of Lanoshine bar soap. The company gave it to them all at once. It was a pallet of bar soap, thousands of bars of soap. They still, 22 years later, have a bunch of it. Um, someone else said, I want a lifetime supply of Mars bars when I was 15. Sounds good, right? I get a box of 30 delivered every month. For the first six months, it was awesome. Never had to buy chocolate, had plenty to share with my friends. After a year, it was hard to even give them away as everyone was sick of Mars bars. Now, every three months or so, I deliver 75 or so to my local food bank. I'm currently living in Thailand, and I dread to think how many Mars bars I'm going to go home to. <laughs> and then this, uh, two more. One, this person started by saying, ugh, see where this is going to go. I want a lifetime supply of hot dogs at a festival once. <laughs> it came with a nice grill, except when I went to pick up my hot dogs, the company gave them to me all at once. I was 30 at the time, and their figures all worked off of an 80-year-old lifespan. Three hot dogs a day, 50 years, works out to be 54,750 hot dogs. That's 5,475 packs of 10, 228 cases of 24 packs, 23 boxes with 10 cases each. I had to buy an extra freezer just to hold them. I gave away what I could not store. Churches, homeless shelters, food banks, we ate them for years. And then finally, this poor sap. When I was a kid, I won two free Blockbuster rentals for life. See how that turned out. 
Okay, so maybe, as you can see, winning a lifetime supply or year supply might not be all that it's cracked up to be, but what about cold, hard cash? Who wouldn't like a lot of cold, hard cash? Does that sound better? So, again, imaginations and feedback in the room. What would you do if you won $10 million in the lottery? Anybody? Here, raise a hand so we can hear somebody. House and a car. Judy. 10% to, to church, great. Get what? Get rid of Trump. Find a way. Okay. $10 million might do that. Uh, live alone. Nice. Maggie. Go to college. Oh, gosh. $10 million would take maybe a few people to college these days. So I'm going to tell you um, about an interesting article I read about people who won the lottery, and here's what it said. It says, many people think that winning the lottery would be like a dream come true in the answer to their prayers, the solution to all of their problems. But some people who have been phenomenally lucky enough to win the lottery wished they had torn up their ticket rather than redeeming it. It might seem impossible that you could win millions of dollars and then wish you hadn't, but this happens often enough that the phenomenon has been dubbed the lottery curse. Don't believe it? Here's some stories of the victims of the lottery curse whose luck turned sour. So a man named Jack Whittaker of West Virginia, who was already wealthy before he won the lottery, he had $17 million before he won, but he ended up being sued by all his greedy friends and relatives, was stolen from over and over again, and blew through all of the lottery winnings in a short amount of time. He said, since I won the lottery, I think that there is no control for greed. If you have something, there's always something else that wants it. I wish I had torn that ticket up. Another man named William Post III went from no money in his bank account. He actually pawned his possessions to get $40, used all that $40 on lottery tickets, and then won $5 million. He says, everybody dreams of winning the lottery, but nobody realizes the nightmares that come out of the woodwork or the problems. What kind of problems? Bankruptcy, his own brother hiring a hitman to kill him so that he could inherit his lottery winnings, things like that. Um, a man named William Seeley imagined a life of leisure. He quit his job and would spend the day fishing, except that the press followed him everywhere, and he felt like he had become a star of a reality TV show. Only weeks after winning the lottery, he said, there are days I wish I could just go back to getting paid every two weeks. You have to change your whole way of life, but we didn't want to, but we didn't want to have our life changed. There's a lot of more stories that I read. They would turn our G-rated service into maybe a PG-13, so you can check those out on your own. But whether we're talking about candy bars or money or bars of soap, it seems like maybe better, um, more is not always better. And in fact, there's probably many, many examples where there's a such thing as too much of a good thing. Um, Especially in these examples where everything landed in someone's lap all at once, all those hot dogs, all those bars of soap. It was at very least a storage issue, and at worst, in some of the cases like the lottery, it ended up ruining people's lives. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about abundance, what it means to have the abundant life that Jesus said that God wants to give us. Um, we might typically think of abundance as just having a whole lot of something. And in fact, the dictionary would lead us to believing that. Um, the dictionary definition is um, that, um, let's see, where is it? the dictionary tells us that abundance means to have plenty of. But you can see from all these stories, sometimes plenty is not what we want or what we need at all. 
So maybe abundant life is a little bit more like a story that most of us in this room knows. Who knows the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Everybody know about Goldilocks? So Goldilocks let herself into the Three Bears' house, and she helps herself to their chairs and their porridge and their beds. And how does it go? Papa's, Papa Chair's bear was too hard, and Mama's bear's chair was? But Baby Bear's chair was just right. And Papa Bear's porridge was? And Mama Bear's porridge was, but Baby Bear's porridge was, and Papa Bear's bed was too, was it too big? It was too, I should have researched this, shouldn't I? It might have been too soft, maybe it was, maybe the chairs were too big. The beds, the beds were too hard, Mama Bear's too soft, and then Baby Bear's bed was just right. So maybe what we're looking for and longing for is not more, more, more. Maybe plenty is not what we need because that's going to give us a storage issue. But maybe what we need is just right. So maybe that abundance of what God wants to give us is that just rightness, that enoughness. So I would like to think about abundance not being plenty, but abundance being enoughness. Um, and we're going to talk about this over the next couple weeks, about ways that we experience the enoughness of God. But today we're going to watch a video of a story from the Bible that shows a way that people experience this just right enoughness from God. Hello boys and girls, this is Aunt Fernita and I have a wonderful story for you called God Gives Manna. Today's memory verse is from Joel chapter 2 verse 26. It says, you will have plenty to eat and you will praise the name of the Lord. The message for today's story is we thank God for giving us good food. Where do you get your food? From a store? From an orchard or a field? God gave the Israelites some unusual food. When the Israelites had been traveling in the desert for several weeks, the food they had brought with them from Egypt was almost gone. There were no grocery stores in the desert. There were no fields or trees to get food from either. Instead of trusting God, the Israelites began complaining and grumbling. God knew that they were worried, and God knew that they were hungry too. He knew they needed healthy food to keep them strong. So God told Moses that he would send them bread from heaven that night. In the morning, thin, white flakes lay on the ground all over the camp. The Israelites had never seen anything like it. What is it? They said to one another. It's the food the Lord has given you to eat, said Moses. Taste and eat. This special food tasted like crackers and honey. The people called it manna, which means, what is it? Then Moses said, Each morning you will find manna on the ground. Get up early and gather enough for the day, but do not keep any overnight. But some people didn't listen to Moses. They tried to save some manna for the next day. The next morning their manna was spoiled and it smelled really bad. Some people were lazy and did not gather enough for the whole day. But the hot sun melted the manna and those people went hungry until the next day. On Friday, Moses told the people to gather enough manna for two days because God would not send manna on Sabbath. But some people didn't listen to Moses. On the other nights, the manna had spoiled, so they thought it would spoil on Friday night too. 
but it didn't, and on Sabbath no new manna appeared on the ground. By the end of the first week, everyone knew that they had to follow God's directions. As long as they gathered enough manna for the whole day, every morning, they had enough to eat. And on every Friday, they had to gather enough for two days. When the Israelites followed God's directions, they had fresh food every day. God took care of their needs, and God takes care of our needs too. God gives us our food today. He may not send manna from heaven, but however you get food, it is because God provides for your needs. Let's praise God for our food. I really like this story from the Bible, um, and it reminds me of when Jesus talks about um, the prayer that he taught us to pray, and he said that um, each day we ask God to give us our daily bread. Um, and that's what I need because I feel stressed out when I think about having to have enough soap for 22 years. Or sometimes it feels like too much to even figure out how to have enough food for a camping trip where you have to go out and be far away from stores. And so I understand that idea of wouldn't it be great, kind of like the kid who wished that there was the Tropicana faucet, that you could just be connected to a source that would always give you what you need just enough for that day. And to trust that what you need is going to be there and to trust that um, there's even some rest built in, that sometimes there's enough for two days so that you can take a rest. But um, we're going to dig into that more because there's so much good in that. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about that. Um, but let's just talk right now, lay the groundwork for it um, to say what abundance is and isn't. And if you want to write these um, on your bulletin, it's, it's some fill-in-the-blanks on your bulletin. Um, Abundance does not mean stockpiling. So abundance doesn't mean that we have bread for the rest of our lives in one spot that we have to be responsible for. So that's, that is how we get this daily bread is that the abundance is God is our source, not as stockpiling. Because in this story from the Bible, you know, the Hebrew people in the desert, they couldn't carry with them everything that they needed for their, um, for their daily needs. So they had to trust that what they needed for the future was going to be available for them. And what a gift for them to not have to worry about maintaining storage. Um, they had God meeting their needs every day. And every day they had that reminder that there was a divine force of love caring about them being okay. Um, so what abundance does mean, it means that like the Hebrew people, God makes sure that we have what we need, when we need it, and where we need it. We don't have to worry about distribution and supply, and we don't have to worry about um, balancing budgets or any of those things in order to be recipients of that enoughness of God. Abundance results from being connected to God, who is the just right for us, not the too hard, not the too harsh, but the just right and exactly what we need. Um, so we're going to be taking communion today, which is in some ways a reminder of this daily bread of all the ways that God um, uses the image of bread through the Bible to talk about our relationship with him. Um, but we have kids here today, and for our kids, maybe some of them understand and enjoy being a part of communion, but maybe they don't. And so we have a special activity for our kids. Um, in the story, who remembers what the manna, how the manna was described? Kind of flaky and, and sweet. 
So um, this isn't exactly like manna, but we have some frosted flakes. So I have some frosted flakes. And um, while communion is going on, I'm going to have a little spot set off on a, a clean surface with frosted flakes. And if any of you want to come with your children and help them gather the daily bread worth of um, frosted flakes in a cup just as a way to remember, and then you can continue to talk about it. Maybe they're going to remember 10 years from now, why did we have frosted flakes at church? And um, we'll be able to plant this lesson, even as they're growing into kind of understanding what um, communion means and having it be meaningful to them.